Parsons, you're listening to No Names, All Game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names, All Game. Today is Friday, October 16th, and we have made it. We are just one week away from the start of Big Ten football. My name is Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host Pat Calicchio. Pat, how the hell are you, man? Oh, I'm just eight more days, baby. I'm just getting excited. Every day I wake up, I tell myself eight more days, nine more days. days. Eight more days, seven more days. By the time you're listening to this, it might be Saturday morning. You're getting ready to watch the full slate of games. It's only one more week you got to watch without Big Ten. We are back. We are excited. What's uh, what's your thoughts been on the season so far? The football that we have had, you know, the management of of COVID, how it's been. What uh, what have you been seeing and thinking? Um, I mean, first of all, some wild upsets. If, wild. Uh, if there was ever a year where Penn State could make it into the playoff without winning the Big Ten, this seems like the year. Um, but other than that, I, I will say that there's some COVID scares that are getting to me. Yeah. Because, and I, I, I know I brought up this little conspiracy theory, um, to some people that I know a, a little while ago, because the, the SEC has built in bye weeks for, you know, if a game gets postponed and mm-hmm. rescheduled, there's a part of me that thinks the big 10 after getting like, you know, just dunked on for not having football. It's like, okay, well, we'll try it, and then we'll show you that it's not going to work. So when anyone has to lose a game, you guys can all look stupid. Mm. I mean, I hope There's that. Part I hope of me that that's not the case. That. I hope There's not. Part of me that thinks that. Oh, I hope not because, yeah, I mean, because there's no room fun. for error in this Big Ten season. No, and I mean, we talked about it last time. That that just comes down to whether or not you know the CFP committee is willing to push the playoffs or not. Um, but I think, it, yeah, it's been interesting. We've seen um, a lot of cool games so far surprisingly like a lot of good games a lot of top team matchups um you have teams like houston who have like had to cancel like many games that just kind of sucks for them uh the first big one we saw i think this week lsu florida uh is getting postponed uh nick saban has covid now so it's definitely it's not completely smooth this is not the nba bubble big game now that lsu is terrible well, yeah, fair. I kind of forgot their <laughs> trash. Um, it's a, hey, it's a big SEC game. Florida is playing really well. It, it, that's the first notable, I'll say. I think real, real big time game that that seems to be pushed. Um, but yeah, I think it's been pretty good so far. Um, you know, there have been outbreaks, there have been scares. Hopefully, whatever the Big Ten is doing um, is enough to to kind of isolate that. But time will tell. So. This is going to be our 2020 season preview episode. I'm not going to be crazy in depth. We'll try to keep it fairly short. Um, we planned on recording this earlier this week. I was a little sick, not COVID, but had a little strep throat. Better now. Um, so let's jump into it. We're going to start with uh, we're going to start with Twitter questions. Um, that'll that'll bring up some topics for us, and then we'll we'll get into like an offensive defensive breakdown. So let's start with a voicemail from our boy Sweens. Uh, let's see if this works. Pat, tell me if you can hear this. What's up, guys? It's Sweens. Glad that we have college football back, but really glad that we're going to have Big Ten football back very, very soon. Excited for the touchdown pool. We'll be hopefully updating that on a weekly basis from you guys. A lot of my questions would revolve around a lot of statistical projections that you guys have for the year, Jeremy Brown, Pat Fry, all those guys. So let me know. If you don't cover those, I'd like those to be answered. But mainly I'm wondering, do you think there's going to be extra pressure or extra motivation for a lot of these Big Ten teams now that they've seen all of these other SEC and ACC teams have weeks out there to show how good they are, to show their stats, to to pad some of their stats for the year? Are these guys going to feel that extra pressure to have to perform at a high elite level right away in order to make that impression and in order to look like a complete team? And do you think that affects the way that they come out against Indiana, but specifically looking forward to Ohio State and not letting that become too big of a stage right off the bat. Let me know what you guys think. Excited to keep things moving forward and get ready for the Big Ten season. Peace. All right. Thank you, Sweens, for calling in. As always, we appreciate it. Um, Appreciate the shout-out to the touchdown pool. Uh, If you haven't seen, we are doing a touchdown survivor pool. Um, I won't go into the full spiel right now, but it's our pinned tweet. Check it out. I'll go into some more details at the end of the episode. Really fun. Only 10 bucks to enter, and you can win some real money just picking what Big Ten player you think 
is going to score a touchdown every week. Um, Sweeney's talked about statistical projections. We're going to get into that when we get down to offensive and defense. But let's start with that last question because I think it's really interesting. Uh, is there extra pressure or motivation uh, for our guys to come out strong uh, and pad stats since we are starting later than all these other conferences? Some of these conferences have, what, three, four games under their belt already? What do you think? Yeah, they're going to be playing their fifth game when we're playing our first. Yep. Um, I, in a way, yes. I mean, at, at the end of the day, so like the expert, like if Penn State wants to go to the college football playoff, it's the same pressure as always. They have to go undefeated, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it comes. They have to win the conference. They have to beat Ohio State. And that is the same pressure as always. But I think like in order to have a good season, in order to have the seasons we've had, um, like things you have to avoid. I when you're playing an eight game conference only schedule, you can't lose big to anyone. Like we mm-hmm. can't have. Like the, the losses we've had to Michigan the past few years. That, that can't happen because that makes us look so much worse now that we're not playing anyone out of conference. Um, right. You also you can't have a bad loss to like, I don't know, like a Northwestern or a Purdue, a team like that. Um, you, you can't have a weak loss. And, you, and you, can, you can't afford – you have to play at the very least. You know, I'm never going to sit here and talk about like not realistic expectations of winning Ohio State, but at the very least we have to play them tight. Yeah, and I, I think I'll go one further. You can't. Not only can you not have a weak loss, you, it's going to be tough to have those narrow wins. Like if you go in and you beat Indiana or Northwestern or anyone by three points, by seven points, sure, that's going to be looked at with a little bit more of a microscope. Um, I'll, I'll start. I think uh, if you ask James Franklin this question, he would say, "Nope, every week is the same. Every week we keep the same. Going one and zero this week." Uh, and I, I'm sure he is like instilling that into into the guys. Cause that is a question, right? That's probably something that comes up. In That's how they have to look at it. Of course. In terms of for putting us the best on the field. Yes, but in terms of like us, the thing, what actually has to happen. Yeah. There, there's gotta be statement wins and there's gotta be like real proof right away. Because I think, I think the biggest thing too is, is what'll be interesting is to see how, how the voting takes place because up until now, We've seen like some voters have only included teams that are playing. Some have had, you know, the big 10 and those placeholders, the coaches poll is completely different. It's all over the place. Um, None of that really matters until you get to the college football playoff voting, right? AP is kind of outdated. If you look at the AP right now, Notre Dame is four, North Carolina is five, Oklahoma state is seven, Cincinnati is eight. Like Cincinnati's three and oh at eight, we're number nine. Like, do we jump them immediately with a win? I hope so. Right. Like, I, I don't know. So I think, I think a lot of it comes down to, yes, of course, you want to come out firing. You want to leave no doubt in voters' minds. Um, internally, I'm sure Franklin is business as usual. Yeah. By the way, make no mistake, Indiana's a solid team. This is not a team yeah. that we can walk mm-hmm. in and roll over. This is not the Indiana of like five years ago where all they do mm-hmm. is play basketball. Yeah, they've been close games, and we'll get into that when we do our actual preview uh, You know, week of. I think we opened up as only seven-point favorites. So, yeah, maybe that was a bad example, but you, you get the point. It's like I want dominating wins over the teams that we're supposed to beat, and then, of course, you know that week two matchup is the one that everyone has their eyes on. So, um, good question. Uh, next one uh, comes from For the Bloggy, uh, one of my new favorite accounts. Um, I'll be honest, and guys, if you're listening to this, didn't love the name when I first saw it. I get it. To play on for the glory, but they're a blog for the bloggy. Didn't love it. It has grown on me tremendously. Um, these guys do some really good stuff in their blogs, really good film breakdown. Check them out. Um, they ask, considering camp lasted two extra months and with no risk of burning a year of eligibility, do you think we'll see more true freshmen play this year than previous years? If so, who? Uh, so if you remember, I think it was mid-August, NCAA came out and said basically all athletes will have an extra year of eligibility. Um, so, yeah, basically this is kind of a free pass. Uh, that is also extended to uh, spring and winter athletes as well. Recently. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't yeah. see that. That's awesome. Okay, very cool. Um, so what do you think? Do you think we see more true freshmen play this year than previous years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you definitely saw more of it last season with the four-game, like, you mm-hmm. know, burn. Whatever uh, the you buffer. You get, yeah, you get four yeah. games. And, yep. and you, you definitely you saw guys – play when they normally wouldn't um yeah and that, now you can do that later in the season so like you know you, you you don't have to plan out what games guys can play in you know if we're beating Rutgers by 40 the last game of the season just th- throw in whoever throw in a whole team yeah. of redshirt freshmen yeah yeah I think um I'll, I'll give you that you don't have to plan it out but like personally I don't think it really changes that much um Wide receivers, yes, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll get to that when we do our offensive breakdown. Um, you know, that's a, that's a position of need, and you have plenty of true freshmen coming in. Um, 
But other than that, if you look at like the true freshman class, uh, Curtis Jacobs, five-star linebacker, is is a candidate to play early. Um, and Theo Johnson, top tight end, I think could be a guy. I know he had some injuries at, at the end of his high school career, but you know, hopefully that's all healed now. I think you could see them. Um, but but my answer for this is I, I don't think so because I don't and I, I don't think and I hope we don't really need it, right? Like we had the luxury last year of getting um what was it, the running backs, right? We get we get Devin Ford, we get Noah Kane, and those guys are just really fucking good and they're pushing for it and they they show that they should be there. Um if we see true freshmen come up this year and do that, awesome. Like yeah, we saw that on the defensive side too, Keith Nellis, uh Marquise Wilson. I, I feel like we have depth this year in most positions that if a true freshman is playing, it's not because of the rules and not because of you know the eligibility. It's because they're just balling out and, and forcing the hand. So um I don't think the strategy changes a whole lot. I don't think there's a ton of guys in this class that should be pushing for, you know, starting time right away. But um, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. To clarify, I meant that like more freshmen playing in like garbage time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it should be. Right. Like I was thinking about this. I was actually thinking about this a lot. Like when you look at some of these other like elite programs and, you know, we, we've said it in the past, uh, Sean Spencer, always used to say, we don't, we don't uh, reload or we don't rebuild, we reload right at, at the end. Um, and we do to an extent, but like, if you look at these top, top programs, it is, consistent stud after stud after stud, right? Like, I mean, Ohio State and their defensive backs just for years. It was, you know, Willie Cooker, then Marshawn Lattimore, then Denzel Ward, then, you know, Sean Wade will be next. I'm sure I'm missing some, but it, it goes, right? Alabama running backs for a while, whether or not they were successful in the NFL, it was Ingram and Trent Richardson and Henry and Yeldon. And, you know, it just kept going. Josh Jacobs, now it'll be Najee Harris. So like, I think we're seeing that now with the running backs, which is really cool, right? We're building that stable of, yes, that next guy is, good enough if not better um but i just i don't know if we have that level of talent at at the youth yet that you're going to see that and i think we're getting there right we're, we're getting there and we're seeing it more in more positions i mentioned the dbs some of these young linebackers we're going to see how they fare this year like i think we're getting there but i don't think we're quite there yet and i think that's sort of the next step that we'll take is you see more guys graduate in three years and go in the first two rounds and you see more young guys ready to step in immediately because they're playing often and they're pushing for time and they're playing in blowout games. So I think we're close. I don't think we're quite there yet. Uh, next up, Jeffrey Wallager Jr. Shout out Jeffrey, our homie. Uh, do you anticipate better quarterback play thanks to our new offensive coordinator? 100%. And I'll get into that a little bit more when we get to the stat predictions, but I have high hopes for Kirk Shiraka, who I watched that video you tweeted out about the way his offense runs. And I think just that alone will help Clifford. But he also, like, he, he's apparently a guy who is kind of a quarterback guru. So they, mm-hmm. that's on two, like, not will the offense be better and will it help Clifford? He's going to make Sean Clifford a better quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you have to hope, to, you have to hope so, right? Like, do you anticipate he will? Yes, I do. And, and if he doesn't, I'm scared as hell, you know? I mean, look um, what he made out of Tanner Morgan. Like, like Tanner yeah. Morgan was a five-star recruit coming out of college. I mean, coming Absolutely. out of high school, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and no, he's, I, I, he's like nationally relevant. Yeah. No, I, th- I do think, I think Cliff is better. Um, one, it's another year of just maturity for him. It is a new system he has to learn. But like you mentioned, um, you know, some of the stuff that we've seen about Chiraka, again, shout out for the bloggy. Um, I, I'm excited. I, I, I don't want to go too deep here, but yes. Was I'm that excited. them who, who tweeted out that video? Yeah. 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 Oh, so that was awesome. Yeah, yeah thank really you cool. Uh, one, of, one of their one of their guys does um, film breakdowns and did one on Pat Frymuth, which is really cool. We'll we'll have them on here at some time during the season, but really really good stuff. Uh, next up, CJ Scalzetti, CJ Goon. Uh, so, am I alone in thinking hiring Rock as OC will greatly all caps help Pry? This guy lit up our pasty. You don't think he is in meetings showing Pry how he did it and figuring out how to stop it? We hire another OC. We give up 350 plus yards to Indiana next week easily. CJ, you are a you are a definitive man in your takes. I appreciate that. Um, we talked about this a little bit when we interviewed uh, Brett from Pick Six Previews. We kind of asked him this question, but Pat, I'll give it to you. What uh what do you think's happening in those meeting rooms? Yeah, I think for sure. I first of all, Brett Price defense is already good. Let's let's not yeah. act. I think your 350 yards in the end is maybe may a bit extreme. Um, but I, Brett Price defense is already good. Chiraka just found a really good way to exploit it. Um, and if, again, if you watch that video that for the blog he put out, there you can see why. 
Yeah. <laughs> he kind of did it to everybody. Uh, yep. The guy knows what he's doing. And I think Brett Pry, I think I saw an article where he already said that Sharaka has helped him. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, I think the simple answer is like, yes, but I've also, I've done like a 180 on this myself. Cause we, we asked Brett from pick six previews this and, and I had that same thinking. I'm like, this has got to be a big help. Right. The more I've thought about it though, like, yes, it helps. But also if you as a seasoned defensive coordinator can't sit down and watch the film and figure out how he exploited you, that's a problem in and of itself. So yes, does it help? Of course. But is Shiraka walking in going, Brent Pry, do I have the secret for you? I'm going to open up your whole world and change everything you know about football. Probably not. Um, so, yes, it's better to have him on our side than not. Um, and I, I think, like, we'll, we'll get into Chirac a little bit more, but I, I think it's, like, interesting to see how he looks at just kind of taking what the defense gives him and, and just kind of beating you to death with just taking the numbers. Um, so, yes, he helps Pry. I don't think it's night and day. Um, last one from CJ. Um, after Pat, which tight end will have the most catches? Not you, Pat, Pat Fryermuth, but you might have some catches if you get on the field. I don't yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> That'll be tied for like fourth most. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, what do you got? Do you, do you want to jump into this or do you have any? I'm, I'm going with Theo Johnson. Ooh, okay. I like it. I like it. True freshman coming in. We just mentioned him. Uh, highly rated kid from Canada. I think he was a top two, three, four tight end in the country, depending on uh, what service you looked at. Uh, he's intriguing, for sure. Any thoughts on, on Theo Johnson or just going with it? I mean, I, I, I think he looks like a stud coming out of high school. I like the little Canadian connection, that the, the quiet Canadian connection that Penn State has. <laughs> I think he's going to continue this, that tradition of Canadian excellence in, in Happy Valley. Yeah, I like it. I mean, he's a, he's a true freshman listed at 6'6", 251. Um, you know, he's gotten some praise. He, he's talked about how, um, you know, when that when the stories came out of Fryermuth returning, there was, you know, he was saying that, you know, that was part of the reason he wanted to come and learn from him, learn from the best, that whole thing. Um, I'll, I'll go with the obvious answer is Zach Kuntz. Uh, he's gotten a lot of praise in, in camp and in preseason. Um, Kuntz is interesting, man. He's, he's 6'7", up to 258. Uh, he came in, I'm pretty sure, at like 210 a couple years ago. So this guy has put on the frame. Um, he was actually – so he was in the same recruiting class as Fryermuth and ranked higher. Um, I think he was like the number four tight end in the country. Fryermuth was like eight or nine. Um, obviously, we've seen how that's played out. Um, but this is, this is kind of that like – this is a story that you hope plays out, right? The, the two guys that came in in the same recruiting class – one blew up, the other one needed some time to develop. This is the story you hope that they turn into like a really nice tandem. Um, and we'll have to see how Shiraka uses it. Right? Like, like a Kittle fan kind of kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, was it Kittle Fant or was it Fant Hawkinson? No, it was Fant Hawkinson. You're right. Fant Hawkinson. Um, hey, got a got a stat or fact check here. Uh, but yeah, Zach Coons is like the easy answer, so I'll go with him. Um, all right, let's jump into offensive prediction. So basically, like I said, we're not going to go full X's and O's or super deep dive here. Season's fucking week away. Um, but let's go through for offense. We'll go through the position group you're most excited for, position group you're most nervous for. Excuse me, burping on, on air. That's great. And then um, a breakout player or a deep sleeper. So like my, my problem with breakout players, every time you read an article, it's the same people and like no one, no one really has anything like original anymore. So I'm going to try to do like maybe two, one that's more obvious, one that's a little bit more deep. Um, and then we'll do some stat projections for the guys that, uh, that Sweden's rattled off before. So let's start position group on offense. You are most excited for. I'm going to surprise you here. It's the offensive uh -oh. line, my friend. No, Pat, that's right. About the offensive line. That's right, baby. This, this, this is the year that, that we have a dominant offensive line. I feel it. These are my guys this season. I'm getting all the way behind the offensive line. Uh, I, I think we're, we've got some depth with a buzz for, what's it, Caden Wallace mm -hmm. uh, behind Will Fries at right tackle. And I think Fries has been getting reps at guard as well, uh, yep. both for his like, future and to work Caden Wallace in there. So I, we, I think we actually have enough depth to like, platoon good players on the offensive line. And you, you know, we love CJ Thorpe here at no names all game. Fan, fan. And I, and I love Rashid Walker too. I think he's going to be a stud. Yeah. I mean, this, this is, you know, I, I purposely left the offensive line off of 
both of my categories because I just wanted to let you have it, which I, I didn't know which way you were going to go, but I knew you were going to talk about them. Um, but this should be fairly experienced, right? Our, our guests would be Walker at left tackle, uh, Miranda and Thorpe at the guards, uh, Mennett at center, and then Fry's at right tackle with, with some of that depth that you, you mentioned. Um, if I had to pick, I'd put them on my little nervous, not because of them, but just because of how many times the O-line has burned me in the past. Um, but new coach, Troutwine, uh, a lot of experience, you know, Fries, Fries and Mennett both coming back when they, they could have gone to the draft. I think they would have been late round guys of anything anyway, but there's experience. Yes, I, I hope you're right. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh, my most excited for, we actually just talked about them, tight ends. Um, you know, running back is an easy answer. Sure, we got a lot of, lot of flash there. Um, I'm excited for the tight ends. I think Pat coming back and seeing what the hell Kyle Pitts has done uh, for these first couple of games for Florida, getting all that national attention. I think this guy has a chip on his shoulder. He wants the Mackey award. He wants to be tight end one. And he just wants to run over people. Like I'm very excited for seeing an angry Pat Fryermuth. Um, and then, like I mentioned just before, I think Zach Kuntz is, is potentially another really big player. Brenton Strange showed some flashes. Uh, you know, we'll see if Theo can come in as a true freshman, but I think mostly I'm really excited to see how Chiraka uses them. He didn't really have the playmakers at tight end in Minnesota, so they were more inline blockers. Um, not to say that he doesn't use them in his scheme. He uses what he has, and he now has a top tight end that he can use to his advantage, and I, I really do think he's just going to go on a tear. So I'm very excited for the tight ends, Pat, and who's going to emerge as the next guy after him. Flip side of that coin, most nervous for. Who are you most nervous for? I can't even speak today. Yeah, I mean, I think – I'm going to name the group that everyone is the most nervous for, and it's got to be the wide receivers. Um, yep. Not because I don't think there's talent there, but there's almost no proven talent. Yep. The, the only guy in our wide receiver core who's, like, shown any production is Jahan Dotson, and even that has been inconsistent. That has been a boomer bust kind of – you know, he's had huge games, and then he's get games where you don't hear from him. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be nervous about that, and especially in what Chiraka's offense looks like, it's an important position. You know, yeah. he had yeah. like what, three receivers with a thousand yards last season. Uh, I think he had two. He had uh, Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. I believe both had a thousand yards. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I figured you were going here. Uh, so as is everyone who writes on the internet yeah. about Penn State, um, I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, but I'm not. I don't know. Dotson, um, I, I agree, unproven in the sense, um, I don't know, quite boom or bust, though. I think it's more like KJ was such a feature and such a safety blanket for Clifford. Uh, I, I'm interested to see what it looks like without him. Um, I think Dotson has the potential to be a number one. Um, and hopefully in this style offense, you know, doesn't necessarily need to be, right? Hopefully there is that spread with with Dotson and Fryermuth and two other guys in this stable of potential stepping up. Um, you look at Dotson last year, 27 catches, 488 yards, five touchdowns. Um, that's actually more than I thought. I didn't think he had five touchdowns, but good for him. Um, yeah, I think it's right, rightfully so to be nervous, but I think and I hope there's enough guys on that, on that list of potential that uh, can really make something. I'll, I'll save them for our next category for breakout. Um, for me, most nervous for, um, I told you I was staying away from the offensive line. I knew you were taking the wide receivers. Really only leaves a couple categories here. Uh, I actually went QB. Um, and this is not anything against Clifford. If you, if you follow this podcast, if you follow my Twitter account, you know I am Clifford ride or die. I we love stiff that for guy. Cliff. Stiff for Cliff. We're, maybe we'll bring that back this year. It didn't really catch on last year, but we'll, we'll I liked see. it. Caught on with uh, <laughs> Okay. So that's all that matters. <laughs> that's, all, that's, what I, that's what I do this show for. Um, yeah, it's not a knock on, on Cliff at all. It's just I think so much of our offense and so much of our success as a team hangs on him, his ability to take that next step, and how he adjusts to this new offense. Do I believe in it? Of course. Do I believe in Shiraka? Of course. Am I a little bit nervous on the what if that doesn't click? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so that's me just getting the negative energy out, putting it out in the universe, saying it's out there. Take care of my boy Cliff. No, that's totally reasonable. I mean, you can't be a great team without a great quarterback. Yeah. And, and like I said, I think, I think he is a good quarterback. This, this will show us, is he able to take a step with a real offensive coordinator? Not a knock against Ricky Ronnie, but I never liked him. Never liked his play calling. Um, 
a real offense coordinator who has shown improvement everywhere he's been, who took Minnesota's offense and, and made it a juggernaut, for lack of a better word. Um, we actually had very similar numbers to them last year offensively. It's just the, the expectations, right? They weren't, they weren't expected to be that high. So that's where I'm at. Cliff, I love you. Ball out. Um, all right, breakout candidates. You can give one, you can give two. Um, like I said, some of them are real obvious. Some of them are a little bit less. Who do you have as the offensive breakout candidate or candidates? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a popular pick uh, in Keandre Lambert-Smith. Because um, yep. let's be honest, there's not like a ton of room for breakout candidates. Like Journey Brown, not exactly a breakout. <laughs> um, I don't even think you can consider Jahan Dotson a breakout because he's already a pretty relevant piece. Pat yep. Frymuth, not a breakout. And then, like, I don't, how much can you consider an offensive lineman a breakout player? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. So th- there's, like, two or three options, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going with Keandre Lambert-Smith. Um, he's stepping into a wide receiver room that we, you know, just covered is not – I wouldn't say not deep, but not – you know, there's no uh, depth of proof. Right. And he's – Expected to be number one, um, like one, you know, one of the starting wide receivers. He's got a chance to go out there and ball out. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's been it's been sort of the sexy pick is him and Parker Washington, two true freshmen coming in. Um, I don't think either of them starts week one. I don't one. I don't think that's Franklin's style. Two, it's a weird off season where there hasn't been enough practice. I, I think what we should expect, or what I would expect going in when we get our first depth chart next week, is Dotson's in the slot. And then ideally, or, you know, hopefully you have Daniel George and Camp Sullivan Brown on the outside, two older guys with experience. You hope that they've taken the next step where they can be key contributors while maybe some of the younger guys get, uh, get acclimated. Um, Andre Lambert Smith, 6'1", 185, very highly ranked kid from Virginia. Um, I think he will be a big piece of this team. I don't know if it's right away, um, but I'm very excited for him. Um, did you have any others or is that your guy? Uh, my other one was going to be Cam Sullivan Brown. Okay, my bad. I just took that from you. <laughs> uh, what do you have about Cam Sullivan Brown, Pat? Tell the people. <laughs> I mean, he's another one who I think you know he, he's got a little more experience. By the way, did you see he changed his number? No, I didn't. What is he now? Number six, same as Ooh, Justin Shorter, Cam Brown. <laughs> <laughs> How did I not get that? Oh, you. You put that up on a silver platter for me. Uh, I was thinking of other wide receivers. Wasn't shorter six? I think he was too, yeah. All right, but yeah, Cam Brown, Cam Brown. That makes sense. Damn. Um, I, I did not see I that. don't know if he did it because of that, but. <laughs> or maybe. maybe An- announcers did, yeah. are going to have a tough time with that one. Yeah. Um, Cam Sullivan Brown, he's a redshirt junior, been in the program for a while. Um, I think he battled some injuries, which is why he hasn't, you know, come to fruition yet. But yeah, I think that's the hope is it's Dotson. Uh, Cam Selvin Brown and um, Danny George. And then you see the, the two that you talked about, Lambert Smith and Parker Washington. And then mine, I actually had is TJ Jones. Um, he's a name. This is not a, a deep sleeper. This is a name that you've heard them talk about in their, their media days. Um, uh, coaches have mentioned him. Players have mentioned him. Uh, he was, I think, a three-star prospect. Came in that same year as Dunmore, who obviously we just lost. Um, but he's exciting too. Redshirt freshman, six-one, two-zero-two. Um, you know, if he's if he's really putting it together and can be a guy, love that. Absolutely love that. Um, I will say one one quick tidbit on wide receivers before I jump to my next breakout guy. Uh, I don't. I'm not saying he's going to be a breakout guy, but I'd really like to see something cool as a Norville Black. Juco transfer from Lackawanna. Um, this dude put on some some muscle since joining here. He is 6'1", 178. He was 160 when he came in. So putting on 18 pounds of, of muscle there. Um, Juco, Juco guys are interesting, right? There's, there's ones that have some success. We've seen with Brisker over the last year. Uh, Paris Palmer came to us and had some moderate success at, at offensive line, but you never really know what to expect. Um, it would be really cool to me to see this guy come in at a position of need and like actually impact right away. So is he my pick? No, but it would be cool. Um, sleeper, sleeper pick. For that, that's like a deep, that's like a deep sleep. That's a deep sleeper on offense. Um, I think my, my pick though, you mentioned him earlier and, and you said it's hard to pick an offensive lineman. I'm saying Caden Wallace, man. Caden Wallace is my guy. I have loved this kid since, since he was a recruit. Um, summer, summer roster, six, five, three thirty-five. He is down to 6'5", 3'13". He has dropped 22 pounds, making him lean, 
mean aggressive. Um, do I like Will Fry? Sure. Do I think he's a good guy? Sure. Do I think Caden Wallace overtakes him as our right tackle this year? Yeah, I kind of do. Um, shout out Brandon Beal. He and I have been talking about that a whole lot. I, I think this kid is really good. And I think this is, this is one of those situations we talked about um, in years past where Franklin would like keep the older guy who wasn't quite as good, the, you know, the Coa Farmer and Micah Parsons situation. I think there's a chance where you see Fry's move into guard and, and kind of work into maybe that rotation. And I think Caden Wallace takes over. It's a hot take, bold take alert. I think he takes over his right tackle this season. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm hesitant to say that because of Franklin's history of trust in the older guys. But yeah. in a way, we have already seen, like, the setup for that with them mm-hmm. platooning Fry's at guard. Yeah, and I like Fry's. And, I, and honestly, my, I, my biggest concern there is, like, I like Miranda and Thorpe, too. I don't want them to lose reps at guard. And I don't want Fry's to just become non-existent because I want him to, you know, go to the NFL and fulfill his dream. But I think if we're talking about, like, best guys on the field, I'm really, really excited for Caden Wallace. All right, let's jump to some uh, prediction stat projections. I'll be honest, I don't have like hard stats here of like what I'm what I'm expecting from these guys. This is more of like what do we hope, what do we think. Um, yeah. It's also players? it's a little harder to you know kind of pinpoint it because we're working on an eight game schedule, so everything's going to sound like less than it's going to sound yes. very underwhelming when you realize we're playing four less games. <laughs> eight game schedule and all in conference. You don't have those no warm up. Yeah. You- where you pad no, the stats, right? Yeah, there's no Kent State game where you can <laughs> score three touchdowns for one guy. Exactly, exactly. Uh, all right, let's start with Sean Clifford. What are your projections, hopes? Like, what, what would make you feel good about a year for Cliff this year? Honestly, the one that I'm looking for, I would like to see Sean Clifford at, it doesn't have to be like a hard number, but around a 65% completion percentage. That's what I would like. If he's doing that, I feel very good about Sean Clifford. I wish I could rip my notes off my screen and show them to you because that's exactly what I have written down. <laughs> exact thing I have written down. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think yards. Like how many yards do you have? How many touchdowns do you have? I don't know, man. I don't really care. Um, I think in the Sharaka offense, I want to see sixty-five plus, and I want to see consistency and like good decision making from him. If you look at Cliff last year, he's at fifty-nine point two percent completion. Not great. You never want to be under sixty. Not great. Uh, Tanner Morgan, sixty-six. Obviously, that's in a better realm. Um, so I was looking up, like, uh, completion percentage. Cliff in the country at that 59.2 puts him around number 80 of quarterbacks. Um, not great. And, of course, there's some of those lower-level teams who are just, you know, padding stats or, or play lesser competition, sure. Um, but you look at some guys who are above him, guys that we, we would, like, qualitatively write off as, no way, Cliff's better. Um, completion percentage-wise, above him – Adrian Martinez from Nebraska, Nate Stanley from Iowa, Brian Lewerke from MSU, Jack Plummer from Purdue, Ian Book from Notre Dame, who we've ragged on. Um, like, there's a lot of names that just aren't that great above him. And yeah, sure, they're all in that like 60 to 61 range. It's not light years. But when you look at who are some of the top quarterbacks in the country last year, Joe Burrow, obviously an extreme outlier at 76%. Um, <laughs> 76 yes i'm sorry 76.3 percent oh my word <laughs> insane uh and i don't know if that's like a record but damn it should be um but you look at some of the other guys that had really good years uh Keaton slovis from usc 71.9 tua at, at alabama 71.4 jalen hurts at oklahoma 69.7 hell jack Cohn at wisconsin was 69.6 like justin field 67 kyle trash 66 justin herbert 66 67 like this is, you know, this is not a coincidence, right? If you're completing 65 plus percentage of your passes, you're going to do good things on the field. So I know that was a big ramble for basically me saying, I agree with you, but yeah, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want for Cliff. Um, all right. Journey Brown. What do you got for journey? Journey Brown. Um, I, you know what? I, this is a bold one, but I, I'd like to see 800 plus rushing yards at a journey Brown. I want to see him average hundred yards a game. We are on the same page. I, <laughs> listen, I swear, I swear to everyone out there, when we do these episodes, I write out like an outline of what we're going to talk about, but we each keep our own notes so that we don't have the same shit. I wrote down 100 plus per game lead back. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think Journey showed enough last year that he is really, really good. He will likely be a second, third round pick next year if he, if he has another great season like this. Um, and this is not against Noah Kane or Devin Ford, who we'll talk about next. But I, I think Journey should be that lead guy 
should be able to get around 100 a game and like cement himself as a as a high draft pick next year. Um, I, don't, I don't see a problem with that personally. Yeah. Not only not actually not only do I want Journey Brown to have 800 yards plus in the season, I want Noah Kane to also have 400 plus in the season. Average like 50 yards a game while Journey averages 100. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> not Corona, I promise. Um, yeah, for, for Noah Kane, I, I wrote, you know, because if you look at them last year, their splits just between the two of them is about 60-40. Um, if, you, if you were to remove everyone else, which obviously I know isn't exact science, but like that's sort of where they were at. I think uh, I think Journey had about 40 more carries than uh, than Noah did. So I, I, think, I think they kind of stick with that where Noah is the guy who spells Journey. Journey has a real long run and needs a breather. Sure, Journey's in, or Noah's in. I think Noah can be very much a red zone guy. Um, and I think we saw that he's the, the clock chew guy, right? When you need to just burn and grind and run people over, Noah Kane's your guy. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting. And as I was looking at um, Minnesota's offense from last year, because you mentioned it earlier, they had two wide receivers over a thousand yards. Actually both were over 1200, which is insane to me. Um, and when you think about that, you're like, wow, they were just a really, really pass heavy team. Not really. I mean, they had they had a thousand yard rusher in Rodney Smith, and they had a six hundred yard rusher in uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, and then they had another guy with four hundred. So, like, this goes back to what we mentioned earlier with Sharaka, really just taking what the def- defense gives him, playing the numbers, and just beating you in any way that he can. So, I'm very excited for our wide receivers and and Cliff to take that next step. But I don't think that takes away from the running game. Like, I think we showed last year that we are a running team. I mean, we averaged what, almost 200 yards a game. I think it was somewhere up around like 180, 190. So I don't think that changes. I think Brown close to or above a hundred yards a game and Noah cementing himself as a lead back for next year before he also goes off to the NFL running back. You. I got to breathe sometimes, man. I forget when we, when we don't do these shows for a while, I just ramble. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'd love you guys. Next up, Pat Frymuth. What do you got? Um, yeah, this this one is kinda kinda hard to predict in an eight game schedule, but I think if we see like over four hundred yards and like five or six touchdowns out of Pat Frymouth, that's pretty pretty great season. Yeah, I'm gonna go full on dreamboat unrealistic. He's getting ten touchdowns. That's my that's my hot take. Hot take of the episode. Ten touchdowns in eight games. Wow. Ten touch listen, he has seen Kyle Pitts put up what, six and six quarters. Um, and I know that doesn't really matter to them. They probably don't care. I care a lot more than they do. I'm putting it out there. Pat Fryermuth has 10 touchdowns this season in an eight game. Hell, I, you know what? 10 before championship week. I'll even double down there because we do good have point. a nice game. That's a good point. That we is do have a, a ninth game. Point. Regardless of who's in the Big Ten championship, every team does play that ninth game. Um, Forgot about that. He's getting 10 before that week. Put it in the books. Yeah, that's true. Plus, we're gonna, in the college football playoff. You know, we got the opening and, round and yep, the finals. Yep, yep. So, I, I've forgotten to add all these things in. Yeah, exactly. No, but I, I really do think – I think this is like – I think this is going to be an exciting thing for Shiraka to have a dynamic tight end that he can mismatch and use and find ways to, like, exploit the defenses. I think it's going to be really, really cool. Um, we kind of talked about Dotson already, but any any other projections, anything else to add? Um, I, I just, honestly, the big thing for me is I want him to lead our wide receivers in yards and touchdowns. Yeah, that's what I look yeah. right at him. I don't need a hard number. Yeah, no, my I, thing was as long as it's over 50, 60 yards a game, I think yeah. looking good. Yeah, and I think, like I say, you know, game script will kind of uh, determine a lot of that. But um, my biggest thing for him is, can he be a true number one? This is what year three for him, because I think he played as a true freshman with when Trace was still there. Last year was the second year, so yeah, this is year three for him. Can he be a true number one? I mean, I don't think I don't think there's any chance he goes to the NFL after this. There's not enough, uh, there's not enough tape in my opinion. Um, can you be a true number one show that like you can kind of build a wide receiver core around him and then come back next year and just absolutely dominate. That's my hope. Um, he had, I was looking at like old highlights. He had that one touchdown last year against Purdue. That was just, it was awesome. Like it was a great route. He catches the ball like midfield makes like one juke slides through like four defenders and just takes it to the house. It's like, be that guy. Be the guy that can yeah, he, break he has open the potential a game. to be great, man. Yeah, I, I really like him. I do think – I really think KJ being such a focus last year hurt him a little bit. And, I do, again, don't mean that in a bad way. That's how things go. But I'm excited to see him be the guy this year, um, and, I, and I think he can take it. All right, let's switch up to defense. Same, same categories. First off, 
the group you are most excited for? I am going with the safeties. Ooh, I did That's not right. think you were going to do that. Okay. Lamont Wade, Jaquan Brisker. I'm looking for a dominant safety core this season. I'm okay with that. So, so the starters are obviously Lamont and Brisker. And then I Sutherland is the third, right? Yes. You know, I yeah. mean, obviously there's no official yet, but mm. yeah, Sutherland. You've, you've been a big Brisker fan for a while. Oh, yes. Um, Lamont. Lamont obviously had a, his coming out season last year. Um, do you have any like? Do you have any like any you know hard marks or anything that you're looking for from them guys, or just more of a presence in the game? Yeah, I mean, I think with safeties, it usually comes down to more of a presence in the game because um, it, it's it's a take what you're given kind of thing. Um, you know, it, it it just it all depends. Like if, if you're a great defensive back. I, a little bit less so with safety, but <clears throat> you're just not going to get challenged as much. Yeah. So, you know, like the years when like Darrell, it, it, it's more obvious with cornerbacks, but like when Darrell Revis was the best cornerback in football, he wasn't leading the league in interceptions every year. Right. Just they just didn't target him. Putting, yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's very much a flow thing, especially on our defense. That is at times like a spoil of riches where mm -hmm. it, it's difficult for guys in our defense to put up big stats because there's just a lot of good players there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if you look at that film breakdown and get for the blogging, you are getting a ton of free press here. Uh, that film breakdown of Sharaka's offense against us, our safeties and, and corners were just, were not good, man. Um, and a lot of, and it was interesting to me, I, I tweeted this out. Like I don't talk about the X's and those all that much because I just, I honestly am not smart enough. It was interesting them to see to break down oftentimes, like who was at fault? Was it the corner that didn't drop back? Was it the safety that didn't get over at time? And it was a mix of a lot of that between all of those guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see that secondary take the next step, learn learn from some things from last year, and, and, and you know, provide that level of support there. Um, my most excited, I almost went corners. I will change that since you went set, uh, safety, and we won't go secondary, secondary. Uh, I'm going to go DNs, which is actually what I thought you were going to go. The, the ends, the edge rushers, I thought you were going to do that. Um, my guy, Shaka Tony. We, we talked about the, the updated rosters earlier. My man, Summer, was 6'3", 231 pounds. He is now 252 pounds. That is 21 okay. pounds he's put on. He's always been a speed rusher. He's always been able to bend the edge. He is putting it all together. He is going to be a force out there. And it's crazy. All we hear about is Jason Oa as a first round pick as a first round talent, which I love. And I've said this before, I don't knock, like, this isn't me hating on Oa. It's just, I personally never saw that coming. Like he played the better player. I mean, well, he's just, I mean, he's been playing longer. He's got more snaps. He's, yeah. you know, Oa has That's played, not, not because Oa's not good. Right. Always played half a season and showed some flashes and he's an athletic freak. And that's what a lot of the, you know, the projections and people who do the mock drafts. Like, if you look at a lot of mock drafts, people have him going in, like, the first round in, like, the teens, which is just – it's insane to me for a guy who hasn't really played. Now, do I hope he has an incredible year and does that? Yes, of course. Um, and that's why I'm excited for this group, too, because I want to see Jason Owe put it together on the field and be the stud that everyone thinks he is. But I am so, so, so excited for Shaka Tony because I think this is the year. He came back. If you follow his family on Twitter, you know, when, when the season – was in question. That was a lot of, you know, what, what they were even talking about is like, Hey, we came back for this reason. You know, this is, this is the year where, you know, you're, he's going to make that name for himself. This is a guy that should, should push himself into at least a second round conversation. Um, and I think he has the talent. I think he now has the build. I think he has the experience. I'm, I'm a Shaka Tony super fan and I can't wait. Um, we're, we're big fans of Mama Tony too. On the podcast. Big, big fans. Um, that being said, there are a lot of guys at the end. I, I won't say any because they might be your sleeper picks. Um, I'll get to them later, but there's there's depth there too. So you've got Shaka Tony, Jason Owe as your starters, but there's depth there. I am very very excited about the DNs position group. You're most most nervous for um, the cornerbacks. To be honest, I think there is a lot of potential there <clears throat> with guys like Joey Porter Jr. And Marquise Wilson, you know, as backup, so I think have a lot of talent. But I, I thought this was a position group that got exposed last season, and I, I don't think it's like out of pocket to say it was, it was, it was the worst part of our defense last season. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think I think I learned a lot watching some film of like it. I think it was more balanced between the corners and the safeties than I had originally thought because I thought it was just the corners too. Um, 
I actually, I, like I said, I actually almost had them as my most excited because I think there's, I think there's a ton of promise there. So expected, yeah, there's a lot. That, that's why I'm nervous. There's a lot of promise. Sure, sure, fair, fair. So I think the expected, you should see um, Tariq at one, and then either Keaton Ellis or Marquise Wilson starting uh, across from him. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned Joey Porter Jr. is getting a ton of praise as a guy in camp. Um, Daquan Hardy, another one who's gotten a lot of praise. So I, I think there's a lot of potential there, and I'm personally excited for it, but I can, I can understand where the nerves come from, definitely. Um, my most nervous, this might shock some people, linebacker. Um, same reason, not because of lack of talent, just I am nervous with a brand new linebacking core. Um, Brandon Smith is really the only, you know, carryover as, I mean, he was a starter by the end of the last year, wasn't he? I don't know. I'm drunk. I'm not. Um, I don't think so. No. Who, so who was our, was what was our line? What was our linebacker core at the end of Micah, last year? Cam Brown. Uh-huh. And who played so in the Makeda middle? Makeda was a backup, right? Yeah. Oh, Jan Johnson. Oh, duh. Sorry, Jan. Forgot about you. Um, okay, so Brandon Smith was not a starter, but I think he played a good bit. Yeah, this he was year, getting reps, though. This year, you should expect Brandon Smith uh, at the Sam, Ellis Brooks probably in the middle, and then Jesse Lakeda at the Will. Um, I mean, it, it just it goes to like, yeah, do I, am I, and I said this before, we have enough talent to replace Michael Parsons, but like, you can't replace Michael Parsons. What's, uh, what's the, uh, the Remember the Titans? Cannot replace a Gary Bertier. Gary Bertier. You yeah. cannot replace a Micah Parsons. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's new guys and new roles. And do I expect them to be prepared? Of course. Do I expect them to like be really really good? Yeah, the talent is all over the place. But I think it's one of those ones that everyone has kind of like written off as like, oh, we'll be fine because there's some talent. Oh, we'll be fine. It, 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 nervous a little bit in that sense. But again, this is getting negative energy out. We're getting all the negative out because these guys are going to be absolute studs on Saturdays. Very excited for them. Yeah, I, I feel like with the with our linebacking core, it's like not quite as extreme as this, but it's almost like the money ball approach. It's like mm-hmm. we're not replacing, you know, Jason Giambi with a new yep. Jason Giambi. We're not replacing Micah Parsons with a new Micah Parsons. Replacing with three guys that can be yep. collectively. And I think they're they're better than that, than that they're each one-third of Micah Parsons. But you know oh, what of I course. mean? Like it's – you're not going to find another – just Micah Parsons, who was not starting. Exactly, exactly. No, that's a great reference, Moneyball. I just watched that the other night. Great movie. Me too. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> dude, it's it's on Netflix now, and it, that's it why I watched have, it. Yeah, I I must have. I was in the mood to watch it. I think I saw someone tweet about it. I I rented it on YouTube for like three ninety nine. I think it was like the day before it came onto Netflix. So oh, I was very idiot. upset. Very upset. Very big idiot. <laughs> that being said, who's your breakout candidate or candidates? The I think this one, there's so many more options. Um, mm-hmm. One who's one, not, there, not so much a sleeper. Got to go with friend of the podcast, the groovy one, Antonio Shelton. I don't know if oh, you can get him a breakout, but like, I'm expecting a big year out of, out of Antonio Shelton. I like um, it. I also like Judge Culpepper. I think is going to get some meaningful time in there. Interesting. Okay. Those are, exactly, yeah. those are names I wasn't going to go for, so I, I appreciate that. Judge, um, Judge Culpepper is my – like a little more sleeper pick. It's a great They're, name just in general. Oh yeah. That's part of the reason I picked him. Um, like the, the one, horse, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> any, any, any horse race, any horse race I've ever bet on is just how cool is the name. I would pick um, a horse named judge Culpepper. That's such a good name. <laughs> Should we buy a horse? I, th- I think we just realized that once, once this podcast becomes successful, we are going to buy a horse and it's going to be called judge, judge Culpepper. All right. That's it. Uh, we'll let you guys know when he's running in the Kentucky Derby. You probably want to bet on him. Um, the popular one I alluded to earlier is Adisa Isaac, um, defensive end. This guy, um, another just mammoth, 6'4", 251, defensive end. Um, I mean, he came in at 220. He's, he's, and they talked about him last year. Shaka and some of the other guys are saying, I think Yitor said the same thing too, like this guy will be a first-round talent. He's that good. He has that. I've been hearing thing. Brandon Beal talk about Adisa Isaac for at least a year now. For a very <laughs> long time. Like this kid is going to be really, really good. So you look at the DNs. You have Shaka on one side, Jason Oway on the other side, Adisa Isaac as the next one, and then Shane Simmons who's still around too, who, again, had all the talent in the world, battled a lot of injuries. I think there's a ton of talent at the end. He was the one I thought you were going to say. Um, I, I left I, him for you. He, he, he's thanks, like, man. he's the popular sleeper. I the appreciate popular that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, mine, the first one also, not 
you can't count this as a breakout because he played so well last year, but I'm just really excited is uh, Marquise Wilson, um, cornerback. I, I love the way he plays, man. Like I said, I think, I think it's going to be, you know what? No, I was going to say, I think it's going to be Keaton Ellis starting. I'm saying Marquise Wilson. Marquise Wilson is starting opposite of Tariq Castro Fields. I'm probably going to be very wrong. Um, I think he's probably. Did Marquise Wilson get in some offseason trouble? I hope not. Don't tell me that shit. Listen, I was going to keep. I could be thinking of something else. I was going to keep all the offseason stuff out of this podcast. So (laughs) uh, let's let's just not talk about the bad stuff. Marquise Wilson, I love him as a corner. Um, I know, I know when they play the, uh, the nickel, they, they call it the star position. I know Lamont's played it a lot in the past. I think he's a guy that slides to that really well, where you have Tariq and Keaton on the outside, uh, Marquise as your slot corner. Um, I mean, he's just such a physical player, ball hawk. Uh, I, I love this kid and I, I really want to see him become that dude. Um, you know, this is Tariq's last year. I think next year you're going to see Marquise and Keaton with Joey Porter as the third. Like, I, I think there's a lot of excitement there. Um, and then my last one, super under the radar, is Hakeem Beeman. Uh, Beeman Willie Steeman, you know. Um, he's another guy. He's another guy who uh, had just a massive jump here uh, in the the updated weights. Like, I don't normally get into this, but in a season and an offseason where we don't have a lot to look at, like, the updated roster of heights and weights is exciting. This man over the summer, Hakeem Beeman, defensive tackle. He came in as a DN. He's a defensive tackle now. Uh, over the summer was 6'3", 274. He is now 298 pounds. That's 24 nice. pounds added on as a D-tackle. Started as a DN, like he's now a D-tackle. Um, you mentioned before, Antonio Shelton. Love him. Think he's going to do some good things. I'm really excited for PJ Mustafer. I think this is the year that he becomes a real household name. But I, I think Hakeem Beeman can be that third, fourth, fifth, third, fourth, fifth guy in the D-tackle rotation that maybe you don't see coming, but he's going to do some things. I will say I'm actually – we didn't really name them specifically, but I'm excited about our D tackles. I think our D tackles are deep this year. Mm-hmm. Like Antonio and PJ as like probably the projected starters. And then like as backups, Fred Hansard and Judge Culpepper potentially. And then yep. like you, you got third guys looking like Hakeem Beeman and Defon Ellis. Those, yep. those are names of guys who could, who, who could be your, you know, third on your depth chart that are contributors. Yeah, they they brought in some real big true freshmen as well. Um, there, there's I'm I'm feeling good about the tackle. It's another it's one of those positions that you know you're not like you mentioned before. You don't hear about them. They're not the stat guys, but super super important. Very excited for them. All right, we are probably running long here. I said I was going to keep this short. So what? It's a new season. Uh, so we're we're not going to do stat projections here just because that's a little strange. Um, but we will. Only one I'll give uh, most interceptions. I'm I'm going Jaquan Brisker, baby. I was getting there, damn it. I, was I thought you said we weren't going to do it. Not, we weren't going to do actual stat projections. Edit it out. Edit it out. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Listen, listen, listen. The listeners deserve better than that. What you hear is what you get. Uh, what I was going to say is we're not going to go through like we did where offense where we go guy by guy. Oh, right, pick right, a stat right. line. What we are going to do is pick the most of each category. Uh, so let's start with most interceptions, Pat, as you beautifully segued into. I don't want to shock you guys, but <laughs> I'm going with, going with Jaquan Brisker as our no. lead interceptions man. Yes, yes, say. I know, I know. It's going to be him. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, I just hyped my guy up. I'm going Marquise Wilson. Um, he had a couple last year. I, I, I think he's, he has a knack for the ball. And if, if he has the playing time that I think he's going to have, I think he has a very good chance at that. Um, next up, most sacks. Who do you got for most sacks? I got to go with Shaka Tony. Who? Ah. who? Shaka Tony. Um, yeah, I think, I think Owe um, will have a very good year. I think he's going to get some extra attention um, just because coaches are, are seeing some. I, all right, that's, that's bullshit. Coaches don't care about mock drafts and buzz. But I think coaches are going to hear his name as, hey, he's a guy we kind of need to look at. Um, I, I think Shaka, regardless of the lineup, regardless of who we're playing, I think he's – He's been so good for so long. I think we've taken him for granted. And I think this year, I hope, is like cherry on top of his career, goes ape shit, kills people, and then gets drafted real high. That's my hope. Uh, and then last, most tackles. Uh, I think Micah has led us the last couple of years. Um, who's your projection for most tackles on the team? Uh, this is a tough one. I'm between two guys. Um, okay. But I'm going to go with Brandon Smith. It's a fair pick. Fair pick. Who is your other one? Because I think I probably have him. Lucada. Yeah. Yeah. I picked Jesse. Um, I, I, it should be a linebacker, right? Theoretically. Um, yes. uh, I, I picked if it's Jesse. not your, your defense kind of in trouble. 
Either you have the greatest <laughs> defensive line of all time. <laughs> yeah, or, or, your, or your secondary is cleaning up messes. Um, I, I like Jesse Lucetta. Um, Lucetta, I don't know how you pronounce it. Sorry, Jesse. Um, I, I just think he's got same kind of thing. Like he's getting his time to shine, um, you know, because for a while he's been sort of like kind of coupled in with Micah as like, oh, Micah's best friend, Micah's roommate. Like, you know, they, they're boys, they're, they're friends. Like you, you always kind of heard of him in that capacity. And then when he would come in, he would show flashes, he would, you know, make some really great plays, but this is his time to shine. So I, I got Jesse Lucetta. Um, all right. So that, that's our wrap up there. Um, quick final, final per- prediction for uh, records. Do you want to throw it out there on the books right now? What's our record this year? Uh, 8-0. 9-0 after the Big Ten Championship, 11-0 after we win the National Championship. You know what? I love it. I'm not even going to say anything else. Let's put those good vibes into the universe. <laughs> um, love it. Love it. No, we'll, we'll, get into, uh, we'll get into more. So um, recruiting, let's save. I, I don't want to go into recruiting right now. Okay. Um, honestly, if you're listening, recruiting 2021, not the best class ever. Uh, there's one guy committing soon, Derek Davis, that we hope to get. I'll do a deep dive on that at some point. Let's, let's save that. Um, but this season, we're very excited. Um, uh, it, it's here. We want to be consistent. I've said this every – this is our third season doing the podcast now, um, which is crazy. We've been <laughs> doing this for a while now. Um, I, I say this every year. I want to be consistent. I want to make sure you guys know when and where to find episodes. So we're going to try something this year. Uh, preview show every week. Pat, I actually haven't really talked to you about this. I hope you're good with it. Uh, we're going to pick a day or time, uh, and we're going to do it live. So uh, every Wednesday night, Thursday night, I don't know when it's going to be yet. We will live stream to YouTube, uh, but we'll keep them fairly short. 20 minutes, we'll live stream it to YouTube. People can watch, comment, interact with us as we're doing it. Um, and hopefully we'll... 25 minutes, right? Keep it short, 20 minutes. But yeah, I mean, yeah, they're... Minutes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think those are going to be quick. Uh, <laughs> every, every time I say keep it short, we go like an hour. Um, but for real, I think we keep those to like 20 to 30 minutes tops. Uh, interacts with people hopefully in in the chat on YouTube and then bring some friends on every week different people every week you know Brandon Tony Alex you guys have seen before we have some other friends we have some Twitter friends people we haven't really met yet but our goal will be bring new people on every week do a standard preview where we look at the game kind of keep it quick of what are you looking for what's a bold prediction what's the score kind of pretty standard stuff um, and then we'll do the week, weekly recaps for each game um, my goal is to have them out Monday mornings no matter what. There are so many times last season we wouldn't get them out to like Wednesday or Thursday and by then you're already on to the next week. So this week you have my word. Monday mornings, recap. Wednesday, Thursday night, preview for the next week. Pat, how's that sound to you? I love it. All right. So that wraps up our football talk. We are incredibly excited for the season. One week away, uh, Pat is going to finish the episode here with some wrestling talk because yes, Wrestling has happened. If you listened to us last time, we told you about an event that was going on. Pat, bring the people home with some wrestling. Yeah, so the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club has put on, put on an event last month on their uh, Rockfin channel. It's like 10 bucks a month. It was great entertainment. I would highly suggest it. And they are doing another one this month. I believe it's October 21st, either the 20th or the 21st. Um, I'm going to do a quick rundown of the September one. Actually, no, I think it's October 23rd. Sorry. Um, I'm going to do a quick rundown, yeah, just because we're running a little long. I'm going to keep it to names you guys know and, you know, things like that. Uh, Start off with the big man, Nick Nevels, looking looking to chop some wood in Jordan Wood, former All-American from Lehigh, but he ends up yelling timber and going down six to four late. Ooh! I know. Well, love the puns. Keep them coming. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get Zane Rutherford, my man, Zane Rutherford, goes in the most jacked dude I've ever seen weigh 150 pounds. <laughs> Three-time All-American from Michigan, Alec Pantelio, who has got to be wider than he is tall. And Pantelio give, gives us a scare to start going up early, but then Zane books him a ticket on the Zane train of pain and takes the match 3-2. to two. And then next we had the leader of the Nulf Pack, Jason Nulf, comes out against former three-time All-American from Virginia Tech, David McFadden, and shows him who the alpha is, winning the match 5-2 to two with three step-out points. After that, we had the man with two first names, Vincenzo Joseph, shows up why he also has two NCAA championships, takes down the former Nittany Lion and NCAA finalist Dan Valamont, 5 nothing. And then we had, after that, the future at heavyweight, both for Penn State and internationally. Greg, Captain Kirkfleet, 
transfer from Ohio State, come on and take former Maryland All-American and U23 silver medalist Yusef Haimeda, and he rolls him up 10-0 for the technical fall. And now brand new Nittany Lion, new to the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club, Thomas Gilman, former, I think, three-time All-American, maybe four-time All-American from Iowa. Recently, recent acquisition by the Nittany Lions, takes on the man who beat him in the 2017 NCAA semifinals, Darian Cruz. And Thomas Gilman says, he shows you how you can't understand how he can just gill a man and <laughs> pulls away from Darian Cruz 14-4 for technical superiority. And then the big man, Kyle Snyder, our guy, takes on 2018 NCAA champ Michael Machiavello, who might be the prince, but Kyle Snyder shows you that he is still the king at 97 kilograms, rolling him up 12-0. And yes, that is a Machiavelli the prince quote right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that reference was. I got it, and I got finally, it. finally, headlining the event, Bo Nickel, three-time NCAA champion for the Nittany Lions against Alex Derringer, three-time NCAA champion, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. But remember that Bo knows wrestling, folks, and wins on a one-to-one criteria victory. At, well done, sir. Well done. Very uh, very Chris Berman, Stuart Scott, Sports Center esque I, I enjoyed the puns. I enjoy the cadence. We're going to have to put some music behind that and, and get that out. I, I, I've, I've been taking my inspiration from uh, Talking Yanks. Yep, yep. Shout out Talking Yanks. If anyone's a Yankee fan, great podcast. Talking Jake, uh, he does incredible burns where he just runs through the games, does that. Pat, please keep that up because that was wonderful. We got the upcoming Wait, how, did we, how did we finish? Because that was a lot to handle. I mean, it wasn't like a, a, dual, a dual meet score. So sure, it wasn't like you know Penn guys, State versus. But it was mostly Penn State victories. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. I think, what did you say? I, know, I heard the first one lost. Um, yeah, Neville's lost. Um, other than that, it's – there were no guys who wrestled at Penn State collegiately other than Neville's who lost, I don't think. All right. So it hey, was all, that, all guys who were part of the, yeah, the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club had a cool. couple of losses. Okay. We take that as a massive win. Um, the next one you said is when? The 23rd? I believe it's the 23rd. Um, so that's, that's next Friday, the day before Big Ten football, the 24th. Yes. Actually, I think, I think there might be a Big Ten football game on Friday night. Did you see that? There's like – there's several uh, Big Ten games Friday October night. 20th. Sorry, I just looked it up. October 20th. 20th. That is Tuesday. Check it out. Yes. Tuesday. Okay. What else are uh, you doing on a Tuesday? Nothing. Yeah. Except going up. Get it on a Tuesday. I love it. But uh, we've got uh, big matches. Um, there's going to be two women's matches, which is exciting if you're, you know, A, like, you know, just love the sport of wrestling, want to watch it grow. Women's wrestling is the future. Or if, you know, if you're a parent out there who's, you know, you're a Nittany Lion fan, you got a little girl who's interested in wrestling, you want to tune into this event. We got Jane Valencia and Alejandro Romero both having matches. Um, and th- this is an exciting event because it's got, you're going to get a lot of new Nittany Lions. Like the new faces were coming up and reloading this, this lineup. Uh, you got Carter Storaki taking on former Minnesota All-American Devin Skatska. Uh, Bo Bartlett, who is why, like one of the most exciting, you know, prospects for Penn State is going against a uh, great name. Yeah. Uh, former Wyoming All-American and NCAA finalist Bryce Meredith. Uh, Greg Kirkfleet, again, showing up, taking on Pitt All-American Demetrius Thomas. Gets a shit on Pitt real quick for us. Love it. Um, Aaron Brooks is taking on two-time NCAA, uh, all, uh, two-time NCAA All-American and finalist Brett Farr from Minnesota. Uh, Roman Bravo Young taking on the old man from Pitt Three-time NCAA qualifier Shelton Mack, who I think is like 30 years old now. Um, and the big one, I, they're, they're just a substitution announced. Uh, Nick Lee was supposed to be taking on um, Brock Zackerel, who is an NCAA qualifier from Clarion. Uh, Lee, I don't know if he's hurt or something, but not wrestling. It'll be Jared Verclearen instead. Mm. Um, and then the big one is going to be Jason Nolf versus Bubba Jenkins. Now, Ooh. so Bubba Jenkins. Wrestled at Penn State for three years. Okay. Transferred out when Kale became the coach because of some friction. Oh. And then was the man who beat David Taylor in the NCAA finals Taylor's freshman year. The drama. 
So this is this is a big one. This is oh, some drama right here with Bubba Jenkins, a former I Penn Stater. Love him, but you know he's there's also some negative. Do history. we do we love him? We 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 love Bubba. He okay. he did very okay. good things for Penn State. All right, all right, fair enough. So a lot of a lot of exciting matches coming. Don't get me wrong, we, we love the Magic Man more. Yes, of course. Yes. I do. Have, I do have to go back though. Before Roman Bravo Young, the matchup before him. Did you say Brett Favre from Minnesota? Far, close. Far. I, I thought Brett Favre was wrestling. I didn't know what was happening. There. I, I mean, listen, he's he's always looking to do something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else on the wrestling front? Um, yeah, one more thing. Um, October thirtieth, I believe. Um, Flow Wrestling is putting on a. Uh, Eight-man bracket, 195 pounds. Uh, winner gets 20K. And sh- our, our guy Shakur Rashid is en- entered with a chance to win $20,000. Hell yeah. We'll be Tune in. Man. Awesome. So that is your wrestling recap with Pat the Matt. Um, if you guys like wrestling, Pat is your guy. I Like I said, I, I enjoy it. I'll be a fan. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Uh, so check out Pat for more wrestling coverage uh that is our show we are very excited 2020 season is here like i said we are going to be consistent this year i promise it i promise it uh everyone put good vibes out in the universe it's consistent no in the season yeah true true um good vibes no covid issues hope all the players coaches families are very safe and let's have a great fucking season go lions i don't ever say go lions but it just felt right go lions Nittany nation we are